All right, Joel chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to grab, grab a Bible there and follow along. A minor prophet, they're called minor prophets because of their brevity. They can put 12 on the scroll, or they're called the 12. doesn't mean they're any less important. It just means they, had, uh, they said their piece and went home earlier, I guess, and did not have quite as much information as other. The longer-term prophets starting with minor prophets start with Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Now, do you know that they're chronological, right? In the Bible, pretty much they are, the minor prophets are set chronologically, and not exactly, but chronologically as when they appeared to write in Jewish history, and not all exactly, you couldn't put them in exact order, but that's basically. Uh, so we have Joel is an early writer, I believe. The Bible says, and uh, if you'll follow along, uh, we have to say, really the whole chapter is the, is the set for the stage. The word of the Lord... The, uh, that came to Joel, Joel, uh, the, prof, the son of Pethuel, Pethuel, how you want to pronounce it, E-L, of course being God, Joel, Jehovah, El, so Jehovah is God. So that's a wonderful name, Joel, Joel. Uh, hear this, old men, I can listen now, so hear this, you old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it. And your children tell their children, and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. That which the locust hath left, the canker worm eaten. That which the canker worm left, the caterpillar eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and howl, all you drinkers of wine, because, the, uh, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up upon my land. Now, I use the word nation to describe, I think, the locusts as a group. Uh, my land strong and without number, whose teeth are like the teeth of a lion. He hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean, bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord, and the priests and the Lord's ministers mourn. The field is wasted, the land mourneth, for the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, and the oil languisheth. Not a great picture. Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen, howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and the, for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree languisheth. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests. How, you ministers of the altar, come, lie all night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholden from the house of your God. Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord, Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Is not the meat cut off before our eyes? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed is rotten under the clods, their clods. The garners are laid desolate. The barns are broken down, for the corn is withered. How do the beasts groan? The herds of the cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. O Lord, to thee will I cry. For the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of water are dried up, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. 
You talk about a desolate picture he paints. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes. In Old Testament time, what did God often do to get people's attention? He would bring calamity. I mean, he brought calamity in different times to wake people up to their need to get right with God. This is a picture, I believe, after having studied somewhat, that this is a picture of a locust invasion, the first chapter, and it is a harbinger of verse 15, the day of the Lord, which is going to be, we just talked about the day of the Lord. Sunday starts with the rapture of the church all the way through the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, that day of the Lord. And you can imagine during the tribulation, this is just a picture. It's going to be a whole lot worse when God judges the earth for all the sin. So we find in Oklahoma, there was the boll weevil back in 1916 to 1932. Uh, it destroyed 20% of the cotton crops, which was valued at $24 million uh, for one bales valued at 24 million plus. So in 16 years, the boll weevil destroyed $384 million plus of cotton on the farms. Then there was the corn borer, which is the moth from Europe that destroys the leaves, etc., on the corn plant. Then there was the dust bowls of the 1930s. And in 30, uh, 38, uh, there was estimated 300 million tons of soil, 34 removed from one part of the high plains to another. By 1935, 850 million tons of topsoil was blowing over 101 countless uh, counties in various states. So there's been a lot of natural disasters. Locusts have been a problem for centuries. Now, locusts, we'll understand, are one of over 5,000 species of what? Grasshoppers, exactly. The year of the grasshopper. Sorry for the hopping. But that's exactly over 5,000 species of, of that. In the book, uh, called Bugged, How Insects Changed History, Susan Albee said these words, the sound of the locust made was compared to the roaring of a huge waterfall. Not only were crops devoured in minutes, but so too was the wool from the bodies of the live sheep. And even according to some reports, the clothes off people's backs when these locusts came through. Trains couldn't move along the tracks because the insects made the rails too slippery. The locusts, or hoppers as people called them, remained for a few days to a week and then left as they had come on the wind. They changed from a green to a yellow green. You can see pictures on the internet when, it, when they, get, they get gregarious or they get pretty much their loners. But then something comes over them and they change their colors and they all start getting together. And then before you know it, they have a big powwow and there they go. According to this book I gave you in your outline there, <clears throat> the Rocky Mountain locusts swarmed the Great Plains for centuries before, devastating, uh, for, for, before those devastating years. One swarm was supposed to be 1,800 miles long, 110 miles wide, possibly 3.5 trillion locusts in that swarm. Infested 2 million square miles of land, caused about $200 million of crop damage in 1875, which would be $116 billion today, $116 billion of damage. So they are nothing to be sneezed at. Even Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote about them on the banks of the Plum Creek. She wore about, wrote about the uh, locusts destroying all the crops of her family. So question number one, might God use pestilence to get people's attention? Oh, yes. 
I think in a way, and I don't want to start a big, <clears throat> I want to start a big rabbit trail, but COVID-19 has gotten us a lot of attention from a lot of things, and so what can us up to many things? Uh, and so maybe a harbinger of other things coming down the road, we don't know. But terrorists cause us to get attention, famine, drought, uh, drastic uh, measures taken by God often caused Israel to get their attention because they wouldn't listen. Sin in the camp, and God gets, brings this on, their, on them because they won't obey and listen. So the introduction in verse 1, we find the man, of course, is Joel. There are 13 other men named Joel in the uh, Old Testament, matter of fact. Samuel said in verse chapter, first Samuel chapter eight, verse two. Some people believe that Joel was Samuel's son because it says here in First Samuel eight two. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel. Samuel's first son was Joel, but here clearly in Scripture he is the son of Bethuel. And so he's not, not Joel's son. But there are thirteen other Joels, and name means uh, name means Jehovah is God. What a wonderful name. So question two, what might that say about his parents? Parents named him Joel. Jehovah is God. They're probably what kind of par- believing parents, pretty much. Because remember, Old Testament time, was when my wife and I picked out names for our children, we tried to find the most unusual we could think of or find. It's not the Old Testament time they picked out names that they wanted to be something important. That's why I call his name Jesus. Because he'll so save his people from his sins. So that was a, ver- names were much, I think, much more definitive of what they wanted their child to be, or they offered him to God, etc. And so, but that was, he was called Joel, Jehovah's God. Thirdly, his name was, question three, Pethuel. Pethuel, so has part of God's name and his father's name. The name has been taken to mean God delivers or God enlarges or persuaded by God. Page two, that would be his father. His home, his home is probably southern uh, Israel, southern Palestine today, we might say. He probably came from Judah. He lived in Jerusalem, we believe. Uh, about 835 B.C. was when he was prophesying. Now, there are the times down to number three. The times are, if you're a very much liberally, you want to say 400. More conservative is 500, and we likely believe early is about 835, and so there's now, one reason why people want to put, like, Daniel the prophet way down in, like, 200, because Daniel made such wonderful predictions that only God could have given him the information. If we move him all the way down to when those things actually happened, then we take away from his God-given... See the purpose of moving them down? If you, if you want to be, get rid of Daniel's prophecies, just put him in a different place. And so... That would be why they would want to move him. But then, obviously, God spoke to Daniel, and Daniel wrote those prophecies. But the unbelieving world doesn't want to admit that. So we find about 835 typically was the writing time for Joel. His home was, uh, again, in Judah, we believe. Now, question four, not only was Joel a prophet, but possibly also a priest, he refers to the temple in 1, 13 to 17, as we read earlier on. He predicts also the gr- terrible great day of the Lord. So he has two things, a message of repentance, this weeping and mourning. When we talk about weeping and mourning, we want people to repent. We in America need to weep and mourn over our The church in America needs to weep and mourn over our sin, not just America. doesn't give a hoot, basically, a lot of people about what? Weeping over what? I'm not even a sinner. Sin safe from what? And so... We as Christians need to understand, and we need to weep over ours if the world's ever going to be changed. Revival is going to begin in our house, I believe. 
cannot revive dead people. You have to revive those who have at least once been alive. So these times, we find talk about the earlier, about 835, some say 7th. I tell you, I've got, there was no two people agreed on the exact time because he doesn't give us any. Like, if you were going to write about Greenup County, well, we find that the Bobby Hall is the judge executive. We've got Imo, Mr. Imo is now first in his second year, perhaps, as county clerk, first year county clerk. So you say those two things, we can pretty much nail down what well, it's, it's 2023, 2022. So we're not, there's nothing like that in Joel to tell us exactly where it was. But what is missing is like the Assyrians who took over the northern kingdom, the Babylonians took over the southern kingdom, followed by the Persians, followed by who came after the Persians? The Greeks, okay, good. Followed by the Romans, okay, all right, shoo, wow. By the way, those things are seen in Revelation, so those, those you know, uh, the head, head, the shoulders, the trunk, and the feet of the big image from Nebuchadnezzar, that's, that's harbinger of, is it, we're twice already, but it's a picture of what's going to happen later on, possibly. The beast, you read it in Revelation for yourself, the beast and his kingdom coming up. The sole purpose, two reasons. Number one, Judah to repent. Two, to predict the day of the Lord. Number two, then over on page two, the plague of locusts, chapter one, verse two, hear ye old, ye old men. It's sort of like if it's blowing a trumpet, you want to get somebody's attention, and so they will, where I work, they will put it on all call and say, get on all call, we're supposed to be down in the basement, please. Everyone meet down in the basement right now, please. <laughs> Then we got to go. I mean, we're not happy. You just like you have no choice. Everybody's got to go. Here we go. So this is, so he says, hear ye, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hear ye, hear ye. Like, ring, hear ye. So he's a herald trying to get everybody's attention. So we do something like that to get, it's a, if you went to a party, perhaps there'd be an icebreaker where you have to go in and find everybody. Where were you born? Uh, how many cats do you have in your house? How many dogs, et cetera? And you try to find those things just about, like an icebreaker here, he's trying to get the attention. Hear ye. Now, how many generations pass in verse 3? Tell it to your children, that would be two. Let your children tell their children three, and their children another generation. I think it's four, but the text I was reading said five. So it could be four or five, however you want to call it. But we're supposed to pass this on. By the way, passing on information in Old Testament time was how they did it. It wasn't like they had all these textbooks, you know, you know, you schooled at home, yes, but it was like, I don't, we, don't have, we can't read that. We don't know. What are the Ten Commandments? Here, son, repeat after me. That was, and so that was how it passed on. We didn't have the, the books of yesteryear like we have today. So it was verbal teaching. Now we find a description of the locust in verse 4, and that which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten. That which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath eaten, hath the caterpillar eaten. They are the gnawer, the swarmer, the licker, and the devourer. Now, there are four views, and I gave you just a brief description of the views. First view is this. It's for variety's sake. The Holy Spirit put these in here for variety's sake. Second one, there are four kinds of locusts. But how, why would he say that? Because one of them, the actual word is locust for us. Have the locusts eaten? It'd be like saying, describing four kinds of cows Holstein, cows, Herefords, and Angus. Well, cows, that's, so, like, so it's not like four different. 
kinds of locusts because locusts is clearly one of the four categories. The third view on page three, four stages, eggs, larvae, pupa, mature flying insects. So eggs, larvae, pupa, mature flying insects, etc. Except, but on 225, and I will restore to you the years of the locust hath eaten the canker worm and the caterpillar. So they're different, different order. So we can't say in verse 4 that they're the exact order goes all the way through the book because it does not. So all I have to say, number four, I believe, is the best answer. Successive swarms of locusts. And that fits right in. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. That which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten. That which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. So it's like the tassels, the stalk, the corn, and then all the way down to the roots. Nothing left. Clean sweep, we would call that. I think that would be the most logical view. Question six. Now, why might God have chosen to send four waves of locusts to wipe out the vegetation? Why might God have sent America warnings to wake up? Give you 20 years. More another warning to wake up is coming. If you don't wake up, there's going to be another one. Because we have not listened have you ever, did you ever as a child have your parents ramp up the, no, those who are Mr. Womack, they have to answer to that. Do you ever have your parents ramp up the punishment because you didn't listen the first time? You're grounded for a day. Oh, you're grounded for a week. You're grounded for the rest of your life. But, okay, not the rest, maybe a month. Because we don't, so that could well be, has God sent America warnings to turn around, do you think? Yes. We haven't listened. Preachers, we preachers, and I can talk about preachers, we preachers, we haven't just preached the word as we should con clarity. We, we need to tell, and we call sin, sin. And, and, and not be mammy pammy about it. We need to, in love, confront people, confront ourselves first. And then come, God, thus saith the Lord. And so when we stray from thus saith the Lord, we have we have aligned ourselves and we have promoted and we have, we have specialized and we've treated with special interests those who are living more immoral lives. We've actually made laws helping them. We can't expect God to bless us, can we? Can we expect? I don't think we can. When you are walking contrary, how can you expect God to bless you when you're walking in known sin? I think it's arrogant to say, well, God wants you to bless me, but Tim, you got this, I know, but you just look over that. No, he can't. That's why he died on the cross for those sins. So if I am living wrongly, Job was living righteously, and yet God still allowed him to go through trials. I'm telling you, people, I think the church today doesn't realize how holy God is by any stretch and how unholy we are. And we, we just think we have a casual glance at sin. It, it's, those are why Christ died on the cross, those things. Seven, what do you think would have gone through the mind, your mind, if you had been in Israel when the fourth wave came and finished off all the vegetation? Well, he's really, the answer really is in verse 5. Awake drunkards, awake, and then awake farmers, and then awake religious people, and awake all these people awake because... The Lord is not pleased with how you're living your life. Big punishment is coming. So God obviously wanted his people's attention. He then gave them his message through Joel, a message calling for weeping and repentance. There's your two blanks, weeping and repentance. 
It's like Stephan, the cat, I don't know whose cat it is, but Ivan will get up on Stephanie's chair this morning, and he starts messing around, and it's like, he, I don't know if he did, we aren't paying attention to him, but then he grabbed her hearing aid, and off he jumped with his her hearing aid and ran off to it. And he doesn't snort, but I said, Stephanie, wake up, he's got your hearing aid. She goes and rescued her hearing aid before he got a nice chomp on it. Maybe we weren't paying him enough attention. So he just messing around there and finds something. I just have to, we have to watch him because he just, he's, he's devious like that. And he finds something, that, and off he goes. I just, I just sometimes just like, I help him off the sand. You know, you're not, you're not going to be anything. There's nothing good for you there. Just off with you. Off, off. Yes, help me. I help him out a lot. Uh, do you, question eight. Do you think that God's trying to get, yes, we've already answered that. I think he's trying to get our attention. We're just, uh, we just need to be more t- attentive. The call to weep. Drunkards should weep in verse five to seven. Why does he want them to weep? They're going to weep because their new wine has been cut off. Why is the new wine cut off? They have no crops. They have, no, they have nothing to, to make the wine with, so their wine's going to be cut off. And he wants them to think, question 10, why do you think Joel started with the drunkards? Because they, were, they, they, this, because they just were intoxicated and they just had no listening to what God wanted to, them to hear. The locusts were described by Joel as strong and innumerable nation. One locust cannot cause much damage, but there were thousands upon thousands. And locusts have been described as the incarnation of hunger. He wanted the drunkards to wake up to what God was going to do. Their outstanding characteristic of these locusts is the ability to eat. Thus, Joel spoke of them as having teeth of a lion for their size. Locusts have the great ability to destroy, to devastate the vines. They bark the fig tree. You see that in verse 7. They divine waste. They barked my fig tree. By the way, they got their nickname then from Chewbarka. That's how they got their nickname there. Unofficial nickname is Chewbarka because they barked the fig tree. And it revealed that white wood underneath the bark. Sorry, I should have said Chewbarka. How about that? Is that better? So we find that the drunkards wake up. The habitual escapes through alcohol. And it's a, listen, you need to wake up. A dose of reality. If you listen to any kind of news, any length of time, any conservative talking head, there's all kinds of negative news. And please be careful about listening because you just get negative yourself. So, but there's all kinds of negative news about what, and some of it probably eventually is going to come true. Be prepared, but yet God's in control. Let's not throw in our towel. God is yet in control. Two, worshipers should weep, starting in verse 8. Lament like a virgin, girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. And the priest and the minister, why is it cut off? Because there's nothing to, to make the drink offering from. They've, I mean, we got four, it's like your mower. Five inches, four inches, two inches, and the last one was like a half inch. It's like top of my head. You know, I used to have the comb over. I, used to have, I had a full head of hair in college. And then it sort of thins out. Then it's thinning out. And finally it's like, there you go. I can laugh. You can laugh. I don't care. It doesn't bother me a bit to laugh. In heaven, I'm hoping for a full head of hair. I don't know yet, but we're hoping there. The locusts, they, they affected not only the vineyards and the grove trees and the drunkards, but they affected those who worshiped in the temples as well. No olive oil. To be making the cakes, drink offerings were not available. So question 11, why would God send a plague to disrupt their offerings? What message might he been trying to communicate to religious leaders to draw their attention away from their rituals to the relationship with God? That's what he wants. Not the name of, I'm going to a big church with a big steeple and all that. No, 
how's your relationship with God today? Are you doing today what he wants you to do? Are you being obedient? Farmers should weep in verse 11. Farmers, ye have, ye be ashamed, O ye husbandmen, how ye vine dressers, for the wheat, for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. Those that raise grain, those that raise vineyard, they, they were lost. There's, and there's no joy. I was thinking, if, we, if, if the food supply suddenly becomes very minimal, if you're hungry, it's hard to be happy when you're hungry. I mean, the animals, my animals think, <laughs> they think if they have, they've missed one meal, they're like, oh, you know, they jump up on the bed. We're gonna, we want to eat. We want to wake you up, wake you up. Um, a human, can you imagine a human, a week with hardly any food? How human, We're just going to become very unhappy. You can imagine in, in Joel's day, they have no food. Everything, everybody's going to be unhappy. Call of humility, verse 13. Gird yourselves and lament, you priests, how you ministers of the altar, come lie down in sackcloth, and you ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholding from the house of your God. Humble yourselves in the, in the eyes of the Lord, and he shall exalt you, but exalt yourselves and you will be abased. Now, why would God call on the priest to express sorrows when they were mourning already? It's because they want to consider why are you mourning? Are you mourning because you're really sorry or sorry you got caught? Are you really sorry? truly repentant, or are you just sorry it's an inconvenience and you got caught doing something wrong? We face that all the time in our culture. They, they get caught doing something wrong and they're not, they're sorry they got caught, but their mindset is, remains the same. We've seen it in the academic world just in the last week. They're sorry they got in trouble for it, but they have not changed one iota in what they believe, even though they're like, one of them got fired. Saturday. They still believe the same thing. And even the, the Harvard group, the trustees, supported the person who just really blew it. And before Congress, regarding what is all right to have a genocide against the Jews. Even Harvard, in their response, the board did not answer the question, they sidestepped it. So are you really sorry or just sorry you got caught? So the priest, are you really humbling yourselves or are you mourning for the right reason? Question number five then, significance of the locust plague, verse 15. Alas, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The day of the Lord, the literal, this invasion of the locusts is listed. It's going to be a picture of one day, the earth is going to be all ransacked. God's going to let loose his fury upon the earth. Matter of fact, there's going to be the, the beast, Antichrist, who's going to be in charge of so much. Satan's going to be, have his last. Don't you think Satan knows about when his time's about up? If you, he reads the Bible, which he does. He may have the whole thing memorized. But, but he, he goes, in this last half of tribulation, he said, if, if the premillennial, premillennial pre, people are right, I've got only three and a half years left. I am going to make their lives miserable. And that's what he does. The day of the Lord, day, or the day of Jehovah, and then you've ever heard of the day of God at the end in 2 Peter 3, there's the, the day of the Lord ends into the millennium, and then there's the day of God when the earth is changed and the, and the great white throne judgment, and then there is the eternal order. 14, from what we know of tribulation judgments, how do they compare to the plague of locusts? Far worse. Here in the locust plague, I don't see how many died, but I tell you there'll be millions die in the tribulation time, millions and millions and millions die. I would say, yeah, billions 
few billion perhaps, but millions and hundreds of millions would die during those seven years. The results, verse 16, is not the meek cut off from their eyes, yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. And even the animals, you read on down there, how do the beasts groan? The herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. Don't you think the sin of mankind affects the entire culture? It's, it's, a, it's a trickle-down effect. When you and I aren't right, everybody's going to suffer. Your kids, my kids, your grandchildren, our grandchildren, our area, our country, our nation, our state. When It's a trickle-down effect. The animals are going to suffer when we're not right. Let us pray. Lord, we're thankful that you're in control. And Lord, I'll be honest, there's none of us in here. have. We don't know what's going to happen. Lord, you do. I readily admit that. And you know the end from the beginning. And Lord, I know that you are in control. And I know that you will watch over us. And you will protect us if we just, as we put our faith and trust in you. So Lord, we give our lives, the lives of our family, our area, and our country to you. May we repent as a church, as a church as a whole, as a nation, may we, before this locust spread comes to us, may we repent, get right with you. And Lord, bless us the rest of this week, uh, all things going on. Please give safety and direction. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.